Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode 78 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley at RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single show. Locked On Raptors is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Network, as you probably know by now. Uh, It hosts team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, and you can find them all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. It is a great resource if you want to hear about the NBA, and today on the show... We had a bit of a crossover episode between two members of the Lockdown Network uh, last night as the Raptors beat the Clippers. Uh, afterwards, I was joined by Lucas Han, who covers the Clippers for uh, the Clippers SB Nation site, uh, and just recently became the host of Lockdown Clippers. So uh, we had him on. We chatted about uh, the, the the game, mostly some some stuff about the game. We talked about Demar Derozan's return and how great he looked. We talked about Jonas Valanciunas and maybe having his best offensive game of the season just in terms of what he was doing as a playmaker as well as a scorer Uh, and then we kind of got deep into the Clippers because I think the Clippers are a fascinating team right now lots of trade conversations surrounding them with Carmelo Anthony they've had issues of course with injuries which kind of parallels what the Raptors have gone through uh, with Chris Paul missing time Uh, but yeah it's been a an interesting team to talk about and to sort of follow this season so we talked a lot about the Clippers in this one Hope you're okay with that. I, do, I think these lockdown crossovers have gone pretty well when we've kind of dove into the, the teams that the Raptors have come across. And, you know, we don't, the Raptors don't get to play the Clippers again this season. So I thought it was a perfect time to get into it. Um, so I'll stop rambling now. Um, you can follow the show uh, on Twitter, as always, at Lockdown Raptors. Follow me at Woodley Sean. Uh, find the show on iTunes. Leave a rating. Leave a review. I'd really appreciate any feedback there. And uh, we'll get to the conversation now. It's myself and Lucas Han of Lockdown Clippers. Enjoy. All right, Sean Woodley here from Lockdown Raptors with Lucas Han of Lockdown Clippers, one of the newer members of the Lockdown Network. So first of all, Lucas, welcome to the network, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show, too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this isn't really me hosting. It's just kind of us. It's co-hosting. Yeah, exactly. It's us uh, talking after the Toronto Raptors beat the Clippers 118-109 uh, in the Raptors' second straight win, which is a wonderful sight to see for the Raptors of late because it's been a really rough stretch. And the Clippers have had some tr- t- tough times as well dealing with injuries as the Raptors have been uh, today. And I guess we can start talking about this one with DeMar DeRozan, who returned after missing, I think, uh, four straight games. He missed like four of the last or six of the last eight or something like that with an ankle injury. Uh, came back tonight and looked like his you know regular efficient self. 31 points on uh, 22 shots. Uh, seven of nine from the line. Hit two threes as well, which never happens, and that was great. Um, so, Lucas, let's start with you. I mean, what did you make of DeRozan's game tonight? He was... You know, pretty much what he's been all season, but as someone who maybe doesn't watch the Raptors on like on a daily fine-tooth comb basis like me, what did you make of his performance tonight? Well, I thought he played, obviously, I mean, he played well. He had a good game. I think he made those couple of threes that he made, especially there was one as the shot clock expired, like yeah. the fall-away <laughs> three in the corner. That's just like back-breaking because you, you want DeMar DeRozan taking, you know, if, if you play good defense for 22 seconds and the ball ends up, with DeMar DeRozan taking a three at the buzzer, 
you're like, okay, this is a good possession. Yeah. And then he hits that three. It's like, bat, you know, it, it hurts. But um, I think it kind of – his game just overall, how he, he kind of thoroughly dominated, kind of getting whatever he wanted on the, on the offensive end, kind of just showed how undersized the Clippers' guards are, which mm-hmm. is something that, that has been a recurring theme this year with J.J. Redick is only 6'4". Jamal Crawford comes off the bench, you know, kind of a, a small skinny guard. Austin Rivers playing a lot of the three – only 6-4. So, yeah, it, it didn't shock me that, that DeRozan had a good game, even though he was just coming back from injury, because the Clippers just struggle against bigger guards a lot of the time. Yeah, for me, like, watching him, I mean, the, the last couple of weeks without DeRozan, the offense has been less good than it's been over the course of the season. I mean, they, for the, for a long time, they were the number one offense in terms of points per 100 possessions, and uh, having DeRozan back, he, like even though he doesn't shoot threes, like those two or three from 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 deep, like that doesn't happen very often for him. But um, like even though he does, he, he doesn't really space the floor in that you know traditional sense where he's a threat from anywhere on the court. Like just having him out there brings so much so much extra attention. It makes things easier for Lowry. Uh, you know, Lowry's been carrying such a crazy load over the last little while here. And he's just, like, you can tell he's just tired. He's worn down. And, like, tonight he played 38 minutes, but it seemed like an easy 38 minutes for him. Only took 14 shots. He facilitated great. You know, he had eight, eight assists. And he didn't seem like he was, you know, forced to carry the load as much. And that was nice. Another guy, too, was Jonas Valanciunas, who normally we don't really see him being a focal point of the offense. Like, he, you know, you hit him on the pick and roll once in a while or you throw into the post for him. But, like, today he was, like, more than I've ever seen him sort of initiating a lot of dribble handoffs and stuff with Lowry and DeRozan. Um, you know, he had a great assist out of the post to a, to Lowry for an open three. Uh, had another assist as well, which, again, you don't often see with Jonas Valanciunas. And he also had 21 points and 12 boards to go with it. I don't know. He looked... Uh, it's kind of weird with, with JV because he, he kind of thrives depending on the matchup. And a guy like DeAndre Jordan, who didn't have, you know, a, a particularly great game tonight... You know, that, those sort of traditional diving centers are kind of the guys that Balanchunas usually feasts against, like an Andre Drummond-style st- guy as well is another guy that comes to mind. Um, what did you think of Valanchunas's game tonight? Because uh, like, this is one of the better offensive performances I've seen from him all season. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was kind of taken aback because I remember, you know, a couple years ago thinking like, okay, you know, Valanchunas is like one of the up-and-coming young centers, and it never really came together and so you, we're at the point now where it's like okay he's going to get 12 and 10 and he's going to finish the, when you give him a good shot he's going to finish mm-hmm. but you don't expect him to be doing a lot of the stuff that that we saw from him tonight whether it be against you know DeAndre Jordan or really anyone else it wasn't so much about the defense but just the skill that he was demonstrating wasn't really something that I expected and then a big part of it I think was just collectively, they they got the Clippers big men in so much foul trouble in the first half. Yeah, with you know Jordan, Spates, Griffin, Brandon Bass had to come in and play center. Brandon Bass, I don't think, has played a minute at center this season <laughs> until that stretch in the second quarter because Jordan and Spates were both in foul trouble. Yeah, it's a it's a nice thing when Valanciunas is is clicking because the Raptors, you know, the the story all season has been the Raptors need a third guy to sort of. You know, offset Lowry and DeRozan's workload and just sort of be there to make plays when those two guys have extra attention paid to them. And when he's playing like this tonight, like that need seems way less pressing. I still think it is a need that the Raptors need to address at some point, but uh, definitely an encouraging sign. Um, let's switch it over to the Clippers, though, because uh, like I said off the top, it's been sort of a rough go for the Clippers of late. They've lost, like, what, seven of nine now? 
um, yeah. that they've lost. And obviously, without Chris Paul, it's really hard to evaluate what this team is because, I mean, I coming into the season, I thought they were the second-best team in the West, and I still think they have the potential to be that. Um, but sort of how what's the challenge like to try to evaluate the Clippers when Chris Paul is out and they're just kind of rolling with, you know, Ray Felton and, and Austin Rivers and all these guys? Um, like, it has to be sort of weird to try to decipher if they're actually playing well or not. Yeah, it's really difficult to, to contextualize a team that you're not actually watching the, the team. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, if if Kyle Lowry was out and you guys lost by 15 points to the Celtics, you would say that game doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. But if Kyle Lowry is going to be missing 30 games, it starts to mean a, a great deal how you play when he's out. Mm-hmm. Um and Chris Paul having missed seven games in December with December and then into January with the hamstring injury and now going to miss something like 20 games depending on when he actually gets back in the lineup with this torn ligament in his thumb it matters a, a great deal how the Clippers play without him and Raymond you know the struggle that the Clippers kind of have is that they only have two point guards on the roster mm-hmm. Chris Paul and Raymond Felton and while Raymond Felton is good and I think we saw him tonight play well, even though his box score might not be great, you know, three of nine shooting, but he played like a point guard. He, he controlled the game, but he's not a real difference maker like Chris Paul is. And then Austin Rivers, who's a more talented individual player, is not a point guard. Mm-hmm. And so when you're playing him there, he doesn't make the players around him better. He actually, Austin Rivers has his highest assist rate of his career this year. And it's the least point guard that he's played in his career. Yeah. Because he's playing on the wing and he's so much better at, you know, driving and dumping off to a guy or kicking out than he is at actually trying to run an offense or run a pick and roll. Yeah, I mean you just look just rated the box score tonight and that kind of is indicative of that. I mean, twenty two points, fourteen shots, and no assists. And I mean that's you know, surface level analysis, but uh, I think that totally makes your point there. Um, a guy who is definitely sort of, you know, he definitely excels when it comes to facilitating is Blake Griffin. And I got to say, yeah. man, like, I, I know he's sort of, you know, people sort of look at him like he's not quite the crazy athlete that he used to be. Uh, he still obviously has the ups when he wants them to, when he wants to. But, like, I think tonight kind of showed that he doesn't need to have that element of his game to be super effective tonight. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. He had a triple-double like three minutes into the second half or something like that. Um, you know, 11 of 19 hit two threes as well. He was, I don't know, I, I, it's sort of weird because the, the Clippers are obviously so good when they have both Chris Paul and Blake Griffin on the floor. And I'm not, this isn't me saying that, oh, maybe they're better without one of them. Like that, I'm not one of those crazy people. But um, what's sort of the, the best way to use Griffin on this team? Is it sort of maybe as like a second unit kind of facilitator guy where he, you know, you run the offense through him and maybe you sort of stagger Chris Paul when he's back with, with Blake? Um, to try to you know, throw different looks out there at teams. Because I think like he's so good at being a facilitator and running an offense and just picking apart opposing teams with his passing. I, I, I just Sometimes it feels like it goes to waste when Chris Paul is out there with him. Yeah, no, that's definitely, that's definitely the case. And it's something that I think Clippers fans kind of have cried out for for a long time is that they want some staggering. You know, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin are both going to play 38 minutes a game. Yeah. So it's not... Like, it's a huge deal, but you can really maximize those 10 minutes when Chris Paul is off the floor if you play Blake Griffin there. And after last season, when Blake missed that extended chunk of time, 
and the Clippers had such success playing small ball around DeAndre Jordan with kind of two shooting forwards and Chris Paul running the show. The kind the thought was that the Clippers would use that a lot more this season. Mm-hmm. And Doc Rivers planned to use it and we saw it in the preseason. And then in the first game of the year, he went to a full bench lineup. Raymond Felton, Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, Mo Spates. Mm-hmm. Those five guys. And they went on a crazy run in the second quarter of the first game of the season. And Doc kind of said, okay, not going to stagger anymore. <laughs> and that that's... And, you know, the, the, it wasn't just that one game. They, they extended that run over a few weeks. And then right when they started to drop off, the Clippers started having injuries. And so then you... You can't really talk about staggering when you don't have both Chris and Blake healthy because yeah. you don't get a lot of utility from playing J.J. Redick with the second unit because he doesn't create. Same with DeAndre Jordan and especially Luke and Mute. You don't get a lot by holding that guy over to the second unit. In a sense, you'd rather have Jamal Crawford and Austin Rivers out there because those are guys who are a little more dynamic with the basketball. But hopefully that's something the Clippers get back to once they get healthy again because I definitely think that Blake when you let Blake be the primary distributor he's going to be better at it on the second unit than guys like Raymond Felton and Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford have been Yeah, and I think that when you play him with Mo Spates in the second unit you get a really good opportunity to kind of have that inside out game where we, you saw it tonight in several instances how great Blake is at running that 4-5 pick and roll with DeAndre yeah I mean that I've never seen a power forward in a center run the four or five pick and roll like that. But he's also great at being a low post scorer, which is hard to do when you have another guy down there, DeAndre, who doesn't really ever do anything farther away from the basket than three feet. And when you play him with most spades, you get a little more of an opportunity to space the floor around Blake and let him go to work in the post. So that's something that, that I would definitely like to see. Um and especially if the Clippers do suing a trade for a guy like Carmelo Anthony, which has been rumored all over the place. I think it makes a ton of sense to kind of take Blake out of the game early, mm-hmm. slide Melo over to the power forward position, and space the floor around DeAndre, and then bring Blake back in with the second unit and let him run the show. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Blake is, uh, I mean, I've always thought he kind of gets underrated just I think because you know he plays with Chris Paul and the, the Clippers are always kind of the underlings to the Spurs and the Warriors but I don't know man I, I always get the image of that series against the Spurs kind of it's that's the one ingrained in my brain about what Blake Griffin actually can be um, and yeah. here's hoping that with uh, the Clippers playing on Wednesday in New York that they you know maybe they fly out tonight they don't go out in Toronto um, and the lead to any uh <laughs> Any stuff to with uh, Blake Griffin's hand because uh, he's doing some nice things with that hand uh, so far um, since he got back from injury. Um, it's sort of weird. Like the you'd think because Blake is so good that they wouldn't be on like a slide like this. Um, but does it really matter? I mean, I don't know where, where do you stand in terms of just like does it matter where the Clips fall in the Western Conference standings? Like, is it imperative that they avoid the Spurs, for example, and and, and stay out of seventh? Um, because, like, that's a very real possibility at this point. Right now, they're a game and a half up on seventh uh, with the Thunder there. But, like, I do think that the Clippers at full strength, like, it doesn't really matter who they end up playing in the first round as long as they don't fall to eight, which won't happen because the eighth playoff race is such a disaster right now. Um, 
like, does it really matter though where the Clippers are? Because I do kind of think they can beat any of these teams in a series. I mean, obviously having home court advantage would help, but um, with, with everyone available, they, they seem. I still kind of think that the second best team in the conference. I don't know. Yeah, and the Clippers have kind of had the the Spurs number in recent years too. They yeah. blew them out both meetings this year, um, and they they beat them by like twenty something in San Antonio in the first week of the season. And so I don't think the Clippers are especially scared of the Spurs. I'm not sure that visiting the Spurs in round one is the way you really want to kick off your postseason. Right. But especially if, if that ends up being the second round matchup, I don't think the Clippers are, are scared of the Spurs yeah. to the extent that, that they're definitely scared of the Warriors with the way that they've played in the last three years against the Warriors. But I'm not sure that they fall that far because even though they're, I mean, they're losing left and right, right now the teams that are in that range Memphis and Oklahoma City aren't winning a super impressive amount of their basketball games Mm -hmm. and the Clippers once Chris Paul comes back the schedule kind of lines up nicely where he's going to be back for the last 20 games and like 17 of the last 20 games or something like that are against lottery teams Mm -hmm. so they're going to roll over that last stretch of their schedule and I I don't know if they're going to fall enough in the next few weeks. They, I think they'd have to fall pretty far in the next few weeks for them to be able to do what I think they're going to do in the last month-ish of the season and not finish in the 4-5 range, right. which is kind of unfortunate because you don't want to be in the 4-5 range. You'd really like to be either get all the way up to 3 or drop down to 6 and not have to play the Golden State Warriors. I think the only team besides the Golden State Warriors that you have to be a little scared of if you're the Clippers is the Houston Rockets just because the Clippers haven't had a chance to play the new Houston Rockets yet. Right. Um, they, they played once. The Clippers got blown out. Chris and Blake both missed that game, so you kind of throw that away when you consider how these teams match up. But we haven't seen the Clippers with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin play the Rockets, and we won't in their next meeting because Chris Paul is still going to be out on March 1st when they play Mm -hmm. so they play again in the second to last game of the season in April but we don't really know that that we'll see a competitive game there either especially if the teams are slated to play each other in a 3-6 series in the first round both teams might not be showing their cards so we might not really know what that matchup looks like until game one which I think anytime you have that much uncertainty, uncertainty it has to be a little bit scary yeah, for sure. And I guess, like, kind of take a grain of salt, like, how the Clippers have played um, with, you know, over the last little while here. Because their schedule's been kind of insane. Like, they had, you know, 10 of 11 games on the road. They're in the middle of that right now. They had a five-game road trip. Then their one home game was against the Warriors. And then they go back on the road, come east two times in that stretch. Like, I think it kind of is, you know, justifiable that uh, that they'd be playing a little poorly right now. When did Paul go out exactly again? He went out... Um... He got, he got hurt during the game on January 16th against okay. Oklahoma City, okay. which was the last time that the Clippers held an opponent under 100 points. Right. And then that, yeah, that, that totally leads then, into, um, like, the next game is when the, this losing spell kind of started, and that's when this, the ridiculous schedule kind of coincides with that, too. So, again, like, I don't even know if we can evaluate whether or not this team has been is, is better than what it is without Chris Paul until we sort of see the schedule even out a little bit more, too. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, in six of their seven games, 
the seven games before Chris Paul went out. Six of those seven games, they held an opponent under 100 points. Yeah. And now, in the last nine games, they haven't held an opponent under 100 since Chris went out. And that's not, you know, Chris Paul isn't like the end-all, be-all of the Clippers' defense. There's no reason that teams should be routinely scoring in the 120s with Chris Paul out. But I think it might, more than anything, be like a morale thing because... You missed Chris for a while, and the Clippers went on a six-game losing streak in December without him, and Blake was out during that time too, and Blake is finally getting ready to come back, and they're saying, you know, yeah, it's about a week away, and then Chris goes down, and you have to play a couple games without both of them again, and Blake's back, but it just feels like the energy isn't there. Um, You know, the Clippers, you look at their defense tonight, like their defense tonight was awful, but it didn't seem to be like a complete lack of effort. It was almost like they're they're so keen on overhelping mm-hmm. that there's 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 energy there, but it's not being channeled correctly. Instead of staying in front of their guy, they're overhelping. It kind of reminds me um when Aaron Rodgers was slumping in the middle of this last season. Mm-hmm. There was a I forget who it was. One of the, like the great former quarterbacks was on TV, and he said the reason that Rodgers is slumping is because he's been throwing the same passes he always throws and his receivers haven't gotten open this year right and now because he doesn't trust them when they do get open he's already trying to make a fantastic broken play instead of being able to rely on his receivers and i think the clippers might be kind of in that point defensively after you know two weeks three weeks of of really struggling where they're in the wrong spot not because they don't know the scheme, but almost because they're too earnest to help because they're not really trusting each other to contain their own man anymore. That makes That's a really good comparison. I like that a lot. Um, let me just, we, we've gone a little long here, but we can wrap with one thing. And I kind of, I got to ask you about the mellow stuff because uh, the trade rumors surrounding Carmelo Anthony are the biggest thing going on right now in terms of off court stuff in the league, I think. Um, there was the weird rumor today about LeBron wanting Melo on the Cavs. I don't think that trade's happening at all. But the Clippers seem sort of realistic almost. Um, there's sort of this weird framework being thrown around that's what? It's uh, Wesley Johnson, Austin Rivers, and uh, who else? Jamal. Jamal. Jamal, right. As sort of the, the framework for it. Um, that seems like not very much of a return for, for Carmelo Anthony yeah. from my perspective. Um, so I don't know if that ends up going through, and it's not like the Clippers have a whole lot to trade. The Raptors actually have the Clippers' first round pick this year um, through the through the through the Bucks in the Norm Powell trade. Um, but yeah, it's um, what do you think are the odds of a Carmelo Anthony trade happening? Oh, and also like how would it sort of affect the makeup of the team? Because if you add Melo and take just those three pieces out, damn, <laughs> that seems a uh, that seems pretty daunting for anybody to go up against. Yeah, I think the one the one thing that the naysayers would always point out should the trade go through is the Clippers' wing defense has been their weak point forever. Right. And they, it seems like they've either always had guys who can't defend, like Nick Young playing small forward, you know, or they go small ball with Jamal Crawford, but they can't defend the small forward position. Or they've got guys like Matt Barnes, Luke and Bamute, but it's a severe weak point offensively. Right. Melo obviously would be the best offensive small forward the Clippers have had ever, but he's not a great defender, and you pair him next to J.J. Redick, who's limited, and you wonder, you know, who's going to guard LeBron? Who's going to guard KD? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good problem to have, kind of. You know, 
if you're going to worry about that, you probably are going to have a better time matching Kevin Durant if you're letting Carmelo Anthony go up against him than letting Luka Bamute go up against him because while Luke plays great defense, he's not going to score at all. Yeah. And Carmelo's going to get 20 points and he has a chance to really go off. I think that you're right, the, the return is so low value-wise, but it's almost like a perfect storm to make this trade actually feasible. The Knicks gave him a no-trade clause, mm -hmm. which is the only reason the Clippers are even in contention, because teams like Toronto and Orlando and Portland would be offering way, way better packages if the Knicks could shop Melo on the open market. But because they can't, they're sort of left taking whatever a team that he wants to go to can give them. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the best the Clippers can give them. They, they went after Austin Rivers in free agency this summer, and then he chose the Clippers over the Knicks, so they went and signed Courtney Lee instead. I guess the Clippers would tra probably trade them of just a distant future first-round draft pick to try to make the value somewhat even. The main sticking point right now, based on what the reports seem to be, is that the Knicks don't want Jamal Crawford's contract, which is guaranteed for $14 million next year. Right. And so they're, the Clippers were trying to find a third team to take Jamal's contract, and all the teams with cap space are kind of saying, well, no, we want our cap space to sign someone in July. We don't want to take a, a bad contract on that isn't expiring. Mm -hmm. So that's where they are. They have to find, find a way to work around that. Um, there are some possibilities, like the Clippers could trade Jamal for Omer Asik, from um, from New Orleans, who his contract is worth a little less, but it runs for a year longer, and so that would kind of make the math all go through. It just depends. It depends on, on what they try to do, and really how realistic is it that the Knicks are punting on the Carmelo Anthony era and just trying to get a nice young player and a future pick and start over? Mm -hmm. And is Melo, you know, one thing that, that hasn't really been discussed that much is Melo actually going to leave New York? Yeah. Because we haven't really seen anything concrete from him saying that he wants to leave. And if he doesn't sign off on a trade, a trade isn't going to happen. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the sticking point, right? And yeah, I mean, the the fact that he's sort of limited the options of the teams that even he'd even considered of waving like of waving his trade clause to go to, like that is obviously as you mentioned sort of really throws a wrench into the leverage that the the Knicks can kind of have in that um and yeah I mean Austin Rivers I, I guess that's the, sort of the prize of that trade and he's been pretty good this year um and maybe he sort of is the secession plan after um Derek Rose walks this summer inevitably I don't know um it's interesting though and we went heavy on the Clippers here but uh they're a fascinating team right now and I think people are just kind of waiting for the Raptors to turn around and stop being bad again and I guess this was a step forward in the right direction uh, but I was happy we could do this and talk about the Clippers, man. This was fun. Um, yeah, this was great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, subscribe to Locked On Clippers. Uh, subscribe to Locked On Raptors on the Locked On Network. Leave ratings, leave reviews. We very much appreciate the uh, the, the feedback. And, uh, yeah, we will, uh, we'll have to do this again sometime when the Raptors and Clippers play in the finals. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, one can hope, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, man, take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. 
Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17